Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Whizbang Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Goodall. Today in the Nashville studio with me, I have Mickey Windham. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. How are you? Good. I want to, I didn't, I sometimes do the intro up front and I uh, say the parentheses style, you know, job titles. What is it exactly you do, Mickey? I am the production manager at the label services company, 30 Tigers. So what that means is I facilitate physical media manufacturing. So pulling in assets, masters, artwork, files, and the final product is either a CD or vinyl. Okay. I've um, never, under my own name, I've never been involved in the vinyl uh, construction process, but I have, um, through Ona, put out, we, we printed both American Fiction and the second record, uh, Full Moon Heavy Light on vinyl. And I went to an actual vinyl factory where they were actually stamping them mm -hmm. one time in Athens, Georgia. I don't know which... Kindercore vinyl. That's actually where I was before 30 times. Oh, really? Okay. So they gave yeah. us a tour of that place. Yeah. And they, at that time, they were making like really interesting color blends. It was like this huge thing at that point to have like just the most rare color blends. Are we still doing that? Yes. I haven't bought a vinyl in a little while. <laughs> yes. Color is definitely a big part of it. Um, a lot of times with color, we use those as exclusives. So either indie retail exclusives or your D to C tour. That's a sales. limited, that's a limited so vibe. It makes it limited, yeah. Okay. And we do normally run a standard black pressing as well, and that is what's continually repressed. Right. So really the whole point of the color is to get people excited, get them to buy something that they do feel like is more exclusive. Is it more expensive to make a colored one? It is, it's not a whole lot more expensive, but there is a, you know, right. higher, the PVC is just more expensive. I got you. Um, yeah, I do remember it had like all these little beads mm -hmm. and they had just huge tubs of beads and the machines would pour them in and stamp them. It was a really strange process, but my dad owns a printing company, it's kind of a similar instance of like rollers and things mm -hmm. being stamped. So, I mean, I kind of related to the systems, but like, um, as far as where you work at 30 Tigers, do you guys have the, all those machines in your facility? No, we use people like Kindercore. It's all outsourced. Yes, it's all okay. Outsourced. I got you. Yes. Day to day at 30 Tigers, what are you up to? Um, uh, my days are very, they can, they vary a lot. And sometimes I am pulling in assets, looking over artwork files to make sure right. catalog number, UPC code, track listings are in the right order, or all of the credits on there from your mastering engineer to the studio to the musicians on it. Working directly with the artist too, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. Right. Um, pulling in masters, checking those out as well, making sure we're hitting deadlines, mm -hmm. thinking of helping out quantities, helping pick the color LPs, you know, what color are we going to make? Right. Um, things of that nature. So dealing with pressing plants, listening to test pressings is something else I do. Oh, really? Bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've gotten to hear some really interesting stuff before a lot of people have. Yes. Anything, could you ever, could you name something that you heard early that you're excited about or were excited about? Oh gosh. No, there I might be, there might be legal, <laughs> there might be legal matters there. Okay. Don't say anything. Um, don't say anything. Yes. Always. It's, it's cool to be kind of on the front end of it. I am typically the person who starts everything. Right. First meeting, you know, obviously after the artist is signed and we know we're actually going to pick it up. Right. I kind of take the charge of getting everything going. About the, the test listening, do you have like a little station? I'm, I'm picturing like a little, just a chair, a really comfortable leather chair with headphones plugged in, you know, a long cord plugged into a uh, LP player. Well, you really don't necessarily want to listen to test pressings in headphones okay. because it, you're a little too close to it because you think about actually when you listen to vinyl, it's normally a room setting. You right. Know, it's, 
Um, when you have headphones on, you're going to hear a lot more of those ticks and pops and things like that, that mm-hmm. if you were listening in a room situation, they wouldn't jump out as much. Right. Um, we're still working from home, so my setup is my home okay. setup. That um, sounds really pleasurable, yeah. listening to vinyl at home all day. Yes, other than when you were listening to test pressings, you were listening to the same one over and over. Sounds and over. a little less exciting. Okay, okay. So, I mean, it is exciting, and you are actively listening for things that would be wrong. Right. So, okay, so um, it's, it's definitely work. It's yeah. not just absorbing it. I, I like to start by putting them on and inactively listening to them while I'm working. Because then if something, if I'm like, whoa, what was that? Mm-hmm. That means that was likely a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing really jumps out at me, then I'll go back and kind of dive back in. But if something pulls me out of whatever I'm doing, I'll go back and check out another copy, see if it's there as right. well. See if it's just a fluke on that one or if it's something that could be replicated. You're kind of like, like the last filter between artist and consumer, really. That's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the, you know, we have a whole sales team, too. So really right. where my job ends, everybody else is, is picking up. Okay, you know, I got you. I, all of the product has to be in the warehouse seven weeks before release date to be able to get out worldwide. Right. So really, once I'm done with it, the sales team is starting and getting it out to stores and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Are we on like sort of a delay because of COVID as far as album or LPs, vinyl getting out there on time and on schedule? Is that, yeah, I, I mean, know that's a, like an industry-wide thing. Yeah, perfect storm of things. I mm-hmm. mean, vinyl was, the demand for vinyl was increasing. Um, the supply chains were not able to keep up with it as quickly it was increasing. So you had scarcity on top of whenever COVID happened, people were shut down, there issues getting PVC in because most of it comes in from overseas, all of that kind of stuff. So it was kind of the perfect storm, Mm -hmm. right? As everybody was really getting excited about the format, so many pressing plants shut down. So everybody's kind of trying to catch back up. I think the other thing, the other flip side of that is if you as a fan of an artist of music and you can no longer support your, you know, a band by buying concert tickets, you could still support them by buying an LP. Right. And the supply chain thing is not necessarily just unique to uh, vinyl production. Correct. I mean, that's just across it's all things. across the world right. right now. I mean, that's like the modern problem, but I want to just hop back years back. I want to say it was probably the late 90s vinyl or early 2000s. Vinyl saw the resurgence. What caused this? Well, I mean, it, was, it came from you know, really, well, vinyl died due to obviously the CDs or due to CDs. Um, what kind of kept vinyl alive was indie labels, but plus a lot of hip hop 12 inch singles, um, for DJ usage. So then I guess whenever it started becoming cool again is I think because we, with so much stuff, you know, you can listen to anything you want at, you know, in your pocket at all times. So being able to actually hold something and own something too is very important to consumers these days. Getting a we lost that for a while. Yeah. The iPod, the mm-hmm. Nano, there was mm-hmm. everything was so small and all just on hard drives. Yeah. The idea of getting something, um, you know, large you can flip and experience and unwrap and you know flip open with the uh, album yeah. art and all that. Your lyrics, your liner notes, all of right. those things. So it it wasn't definitely just nostalgia though, because I mean there are hard audio files that just will not listen to anything but vinyl somewhere. The audio files. The (laughs) audio files. Okay. So you're not one of those people. I mean, Um, you listen on all platforms. I listen on all platforms. I mean, CDs probably the, you know, the most, no, the least, the least. 
I mean, the only place I have a CD player is in my car, and a lot of cars don't even have CD players anymore. Right. Um, but CDs are still selling. I mean, I definitely still manufacture CDs. Right. Vinyl obviously takes up a lot more of my time. It's just harder to produce. Do you have a favorite vinyl? Do you have a collection? First, <laughs> first question, do you have a collection? And then secondly, what's some of your favorites? Yes, I have a very large collection. Um, I do have this great... <laughs> a little inappropriate it's light in the attic reissue of 70s porn music <laughs> and so it is actually pulled from porn videos so wow. you have some noises and, and that's your like favorite that. it's, 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 no, it's not kidding. my favorite but it's <laughs> that's your most that's a rare it's, it's something really cool and just are there funny. artists listed on that um i mean it's all music from movies and so ron from jeremy movies. Ron Jeremy's in a lot of them, like kind of the intros and stuff like that. So it's all that 70s kind of boogie disco. His like really and poorly acted dialogue yes. is like in front of the Waka yes. Waka guitar yes. tracks and yes. stuff. Yes. Do you have a copy of that on you? Can I get a rip? <laughs> Can I get a and, MP3 rip? And it did come, you know, in a sealed black, you know, you could not see the cover on it. Um, the A side is the ass side. B side is the boob side so you definitely the center label is a you know woman's chest and that's the spindle goes right where her nipple is I think 30 tigers <laughs> should print millions of those and get those but circulating was, it was a light in the attic reissue it wasn't a 30 tigers reissue, okay but um that's a real rare I've yeah, never heard of such of a funny. thing yeah Besides the less inappropriate <laughs> repressings by Light in the Attic, um, um, what is some of your favorite? What are you spending, you know, this month or last month, this season? Uh, the last, the, what's on my turntable table right now is Joshua, Joshua Headley's Neon Blue. Um, okay, I don't know. A couple of weeks ago. He's on New West. Okay. Um, I listen to a lot of Daptone stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sharon Jones, Charles Bradley, stuff like that. Um, I have a you know, very wide range of stuff. I got gotcha. you. Um, I guess another question I have is, do you feel like vinyl is a necessity for any and all artists? I mean, do not, I feel like not every genre goes through the vinyl process. Yes. Most right now it seems to be, you know, hip hop and maybe obviously commercial country mm -hmm. are not very high vinyl sales. Now right. that is changing as hip hop, you know, with hip hop, we're seeing a lot more of it. Um, I think it really just depends on your consumer mm -hmm. and what they buy and how they listen to music. But I do think it's a very important thing for artists to have, which is what kind of stinks right now with as long as it does take to produce records that, you know, if you are a smaller indie artist, it's harder to get, get in and get them made right. in a timely fashion. I feel like the best place and the most satisfying place to have vinyl is the merch table. Mm -hmm. I just feel every time we had merch with uh, a merch table with vinyl, that was always one of the biggest sellers. It's just easy to grab. It always looks good. It just yeah. pops right off the merch table every time. Yeah. I would say it's an essential for any growing artist to have um, at least one batch. And it's nice, you know, it's something to get signed. You know, that too. You can't really, I guess you can sign a t-shirt, but it's not the same thing as having no. something like that no. signed. That's um, great. I mean, 30 Tigers is really, um, are there other companies involved in just like, what feels like the resurgence was there somebody who got there early on or with 30 tigers right there when the resurgence happened i mean they we've always yeah always been, been there vinyl so right. um obviously the numbers have grown tremendously mm -hmm. it's been hard that's great to keep up with um especially with a lot of our evergreen catalog 
titles. You know, mm-hmm. the Tyler Childers Purgatory. Can't keep it in stock. Can't keep Tyler yeah. Childers Purgatory <laughs> vinyl in stock. Doesn't matter how many we press, it seems like it's constantly gone. Well, that's great. Um, because you've got some of the bigger players that, you know, Walmart and Target have now come in mm-hmm. as well and are selling LPs and they do exclusives. And so once, you know, a, a store like that picks it up, it's, a, you know, out You've there made right it right. when your vinyl is printed by 30 tigers and distributed by 30 tigers and it's on sale at target you've made it yes i mean yeah you've made it or if (laughs) or if your vinyl is just uh, never mind i'm not even going to make the joke about the triple x we're going to let that one slide i'm not even going to make the joke thank you for being here mickey windham i appreciate you thank Thank you. you